0: Um, it, it, it was seriously disturbing. So, uh, yeah, I haven't, I seriously have had nightmares um, thinking about that. Um,
1: I feel bad for anybody that's listening to this part of the recording.
0: Well, I may not put the whole thing. And if for whatever reason I decide to, listeners, please do not watch that video if you haven't already. Please. And
1: everybody knows. I'm shocked that you went this long i mean what is it six years old
0: now i have no is- idea i don't want to know i i don't know yeah. i i've watched it i cannot unsee it and i know it has seriously affected me so i don't want that to happen to anyone else ever <laughs> ever that is literally a shit video
1: and on that note if you're from china and you're a listener gong fat choy.
0: <laughs> what does that mean <laughs>
1: <laughs> that means Happy New Year. Oh, okay, yeah. Happy means New Year. good fortune. Actually, it's not a, literally a Happy New Year, but you say it during New Year. Well, if you're I, Korean, say "Hey, bokmane hey, padaseo.
0: Okay. Any any more surprise languages that you would like to delight me with?
1: If you're in Vietnam and listening to us, "Vui Tết." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Asian New Year, right? It's East Asian New Year.
0: Yes, it is. It is. Well, space it's, it's this podcast is going to be out a little bit after that but um okay let's sh- shall we get started
1: well we yeah we didn't record i mean well, i didn't think of it i guess when we recorded last time but
0: okay
1: i'm saying it now good
0: Hello, friends, and welcome. Welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast, The RPG Room, in which we talk about RPGs. I am, as usual, Paco Garcia, your host.
1: Hi. Hi, Paco.
0: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm well. Are you well now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were talking about something beforehand, which I hope you don't keep in the recording. Um, but what, so we've already disrupted whatever mood we might have been
0: going. We have, for. <laughs> but then now you see now if I don't if I don't say anything about it what, what it was, people are going to be wondering for the rest of their lives what is it that we were talking about, and have some very very miserable experience, never knowing.
1: No, I think they're happy that they don't know what we were talking about.
0: Yes, but because they don't know what we were talking about, then. Uh, now they're, they're, going to, they're going to have anxiety attacks and all sorts of things, not knowing. If you
1: have OCD and you must know, please contact Paco <laughs> yes, on directly. Facebook or Twitter, and he'll be glad to tell you.
0: No, I won't be glad to tell you, but I will tell you because I am part-time evil. Um, one has to be very evil dude <laughs> I have no interest in talking about it I'm sorry that
1: you told me I wish that I, I'm i just a little smarter and I knew to get out of that faster than you did wow, wow. what a great opener we're now bad at openers
0: I was thinking exactly Podcast. that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 dear! Wait a second. Let me ask one (laughs) more.
1: So, ironically, we're going to talk about cliches today. But yes, but we're opening in a non-cliche way. (laughs) Unbelievable! This is fantastic. (laughs) And I was all set to be kind of mean and rough today, (laughs) and you just ruined, just ruined whatever tone we
0: could have had.
1: I'll give you a moment to compose yourself.
0: hi. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know why I'm laughing. Oh
1: Because it's disgusting <laughs> and, you're, and you're fucked up. That's why you're laughing. There's no there's nothing complex going on, Taco. I think you're looking for deeper meaning when there isn't any <sighs>
0: Oh, make it stop! <laughs> oh, oh dear! Ay, sorry, I'm crying now. Laughter. Oh, I, I haven't, I haven't laughed so much since I watched that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. <laughs> Ay, anyway, right. Um. Uh, sorry, listeners, this is, you know, um, that's, that's what happens when you do things live and, and you don't edit them afterwards. Uh, right. So we're going to be talking about uh, cliches in games of which there are so many. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And most are really, really bad.
1: Yeah. So do we want to talk about cliches as in publications or cliches in... At the table. Both. All right. Both. I love
0: Right. However, shall we, um, you know, you sent me that link to uh, org. Yes. Shall we use their definition as the definition that we're going to be, um, you know, going by for the rest of the show?
1: They have thousands of definitions on that page?
0: Well, no, no, but on, on the landing page, main.tropes, uh, they say mm-hmm. our trope is blah, blah, blah. blah.
1: Go right ahead.
0: Okay, a trope is a storytelling device or convention, a shortcut for describing situations the storyteller can reasonably assume the audience will recognize. Trope's are the means by which a story is told by anyone who has a story to tell. We collect them for the fun involved. Trope's may be brand new but seem trite and hackneyed, and they may be thousands of year old but they seem fresh and new. They're no bad, they're no good, that's bullshit. They are simply tools that a creator of a work of art uses to express their ideas to the audience.
1: I think that right there is the main reason everybody thinks I'm angry when I'm not, is I'm just tired of lazy writing. And I think when you go to some of the tropes that we see continually in television or in books or whatnot, it really gets under my skin and I... I rant about them. But at the end of the day, I don't hate any one in particular person. I just hate lazy writing and this kind of shit. I just don't have, I don't have the filter that other people have people that don't write. Well, why can't you just let it go? Why can't you just watch an episode of something shitty and not let it get under your skin? It's puns and cliches and bad writing and star Wars, all that shit. It just, it seems so lazy to me and so easy. And I'm not impressed. And that, that's why this topic always riles me up.
0: Well, it doesn't surprise me that it riles you because it is quite riling. I think for me the problem with tropes and, and clichés is that they have been repeated so, 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 so much that they have become completely and utterly meaningless at so many levels. And people are refusing or they just don't bother to try at least to present them if, if you cannot change the cliche because you know it's it's kind of a cliche and that's why that's there um, but at least try to present it in a way that make it look a little bit different or fresher or whatever but people don't bother with that anymore they just go for it paradings there
1: I agree i um i think i think on some level most most of the geek-oriented entertainment that we we indulge in, things like Strange Vistas or movie Aliens or the Star Wars series or to any of the TV shows on CW like Flash and all that that people still seem to enjoy. I think they all have their roots in fairy tales and childish storytelling mm-hmm. and people never grow up out of those childish tropes. And they engage and indulge these methods of storytelling that don't grow up. So when they see something that's serious, they don't enjoy it because they think it's boring because it's not flashy enough. And I think the childish TV tropes rely on make-believe, a a little bit too much make-believe like the space wizards in Star Wars. If you think about it, if you think too long about Star Wars, it gets really dumb so to enjoy a lot of these tropes and a lot of these clichés, you have to just not think about it.
0: Well, you have to exercise an awful lot of suspensions of disbelief. Of, of you know, where, where you Janice, don't, you don't think about you how you cannot believe what you can see on the screen. You just let it happen. Because the thing about, uh, maybe this is why so many people use it, you know, why there are so many um, bad tropes or, or reused tropes out there. Because they, are, when they're easy to write, they're also very easy to read and very easy to assimilate. You, you don't have to think about the double meaning of anything they're doing or the reasons behind why the character is behaving in the way they are behaving. You just let it happen because, you know, that's, that's the way it's meant to be. You know, Flash is meant to be good because uh, Barry Allen is, is good and he has this um, guilt complex that he couldn't save his mom. That's it. You don't right. think about anything else. You don't think about what kind of experiences did he have when he was a teenager that, you know, reaffirmed his need to be good and do good when he got his superpowers. You don't stop to think, why isn't he corrupted by his power? Because we all know that power corrupts, and yet he, he seems to remain all hopeful and all um, uncorruptible. Why?
1: Right. Well, there's that's the difference between DC Comics and Marvel Comics, right? And we could probably do an hour on this, oh, yeah. but DC is all about the monomyth. It's all about the hero uh, from some sort of traditional or metaphysical storytelling perspective Flash's story or his Superman story. Superman story is Jesus, right? Yeah. Flash's story. Isn't all that different. Nobody in the DC universe is all really all that different in terms of their origin. They just have different ways of getting to plot point one. Once they get to plot point one, which is them getting their powers. Everything else is pretty much the same. They have a whole host of villains that they have to face every week, and we really never get to learn who these people are. Marvel's way of telling the story is a little bit different because it's always about the person first and the power second. Yes. You said something about belie- uh, belief suspenders. What did you call Suspending your Sus- disbelief?
0: Yeah, suspension of disbelief. Um,
1: yeah, Suspension of disbelief. Um, I think – I'm a big fan of the movie Face Off. Lots of people hate that movie. But I'm a huge fan of it because once you get to plot point one, as ridiculous as it is, all you have to do is accept plot point one. Everything after that is a very human story. And in fact, it's probably one of John Woo's best stories once you get past the ridiculousness of switching faces with somebody.
0: Well, that's the
1: thing that a lot of these stories don't do. They do ridiculousness up to plot point one. And then they allow that as a fulcrum or jumping-off point to tell more ridiculous stories.
0: Well, you and see, that's
1: where you lose me as a viewer.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think in that particular example, I would also have to get over Nicolas Cage, and I cannot do that. I, I refuse <laughs> to do that.
1: I think it's one of his better performances. And it's not it's, very it's, good,
0: so imagine the rest. What's that? And that's it's not really a very good performance, so imagine the rest.
1: Yeah, a lot of people have problems with him. I have more problems with... John Travolta, I think he's absolute wallpaper in everything that he does. So yeah,
0: but at least he's handsome.
1: <laughs> at least he's handsome. Really?
0: Yeah. No, John Travolta is a handsome man. He's a very handsome right. man. He has a very. Cute I'll take kingdom. your
1: word for it. What passes for a handsome? Well, man.
0: Well, I, I I think he's very handsome. He's got a, you know a, a dimple in his chin and that does it. So does it anyway. None tropes. of that has anything to do with, <laughs> by the way, tropes
1: and cliches. No, um,
0: no, but I'm sure some. A people lot of people agree. have
1: problems with the movie because of the plot. Yeah, well. And if if you can accept the plot, like you accept any stupid plot out there that you've watched as a viewer, I mean the plot of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is probably one of the stupidest movies ever made. Yes, But if you can get past that plot, you then have to get this cool rail car chase scene at the end of the movie that – well, the graphics don't hold up to this day, but was really fun when we were teenagers. And so if you can get past these plots and enjoy – The act two of some of these stories, they're great. But too many people write stupid plots and then follow up with stupid act twos. And that's where these cliches and these tropes really fall apart for me as a a consumptive reader or watcher.
0: But the thing is, there are ways to make those bad things be appealing. Yes,
1: absolutely. There
0: are. I mean, I absolutely adore these kind of shitty... Um, sci-fi channel movies you know like Sharktopus or Sharknado, Iron Skies they yeah, are can... so bad yeah, so bad absolutely fried with every single shitty trope you can think of they right. are all there and I cannot get enough of them, absolutely love them because I am in a place when I start watching those movies when I think right this is going to be a complete rubbish i don't have to expect anything else i don't have to think about anything you know i I can be just watching the movie it's like having some sort of um part, uh, you know lobotomy for a bit yeah and, and that, well, that's, and that's my it.
1: point is that you kind of have to shut off your intellect to enjoy mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff
0: exactly so,
1: but uh, Sharknado, yeah. I couldn't finish. Really? And the other one, the shark versus <laughs> the octopus?
0: Sharktopus was hilarious.
1: Was it Sharktopus? Is that what it was?
0: Well, I, I don't know. Uh, th- there is a movie about uh, a shark against an octopus. I think it's a, it's a squid. Yeah. Uh, but no, there, there is a movie about um, a shark and an octopus all got together. I mean, uh, they, they, just... they are one creature called Sharktopus. I did not see that one.
1: Uh, I saw the movie Pinata 2. Which, by the way, might be the worst horror movie I've ever seen. I haven't seen it, but the plot, in and of itself, the basic plot was genius. The problem was is that it fell apart after that because they decided, well, we don't have a budget, so we're not going to take it seriously.
0: Right. That's that's a that's really and bad.
1: and so it it's just lazy. Hmm. Again, we're 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 always going to come back to this word, lazy, hmm. because if you love what you're doing, you'll always find a creative way to solve problems, even if you have no budget. I've seen lots of movies that are just set in one room, that are really, really smart because the dialogue or the the basic trope or the plot are are just smart. Yep.
0: Now the problem. Now that we have said all of these things about you know um, how can somebody make a trope palatable or why some, some tropes are palatable in movies, let's take them to games. Because right. we see an awful lot of tropes in, actually, most games, I'm going to say. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let any uh, get out. Uh, however, I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. At what point does a plot, sorry, a, a trope that has been created become repetitive? And I'll give you an example. Um, Shadowrun. <laughs> okay. Oh.
1: <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah.
0: All right. Okay. Shadowrun. Let's assume for a second that some of the characters and some of the stuff that comes out in that game, although I know they aren't, I know they aren't, but let's assume that they are fresh new. You know, um, I don't know, these... Um, uh, I'm struggling uh, urban shaman. Okay. Okay. I know it's probably been some of the game before, but let's assume that it came for the first time in Shadowrun. At what okay. point does that become a too easy trope?
1: I think it let's say Shadowrun invents it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the minute Shadowrun invents it, it's passe. And
0: Actually, can I can I can I go back and uh, and, and take that sure. away? Because um, okay. I, I just remember a conversation I had with somebody um, who watched the uh, Boris Karloff movie Nosferatu. Yes, um, I think that movie came out in 1928 or thereabouts. It's, it's okay. It's an extremely. How have, have you have you seen it? Nosferatu. Yeah,
1: I'm looking up the year it came out.
0: 1922. Yeah. Okay. So it's, so but, but, but have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay, good. Right, this guy um, complained that the movie was full of uh, cliches. You know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Exactly. You know, that movie is not full of cliches. That movie is full of created cliches because that movie created pretty much every cliche about vampires in movies that's ever existed. You know Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. That
0: that movie has influenced every single vampire movie since. Every single one of them.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a vampire movie, right? It actually had an impact on noir.
0: Absolutely. So, Yeah. So, at what point do those tropes become lazy and repetitive? Because I I can tell people, okay, fine, let's let's you know, let's allow the first three or four people who use those tropes afterwards to say, "Right, okay, they are still fresh, they're still new, so they still feel okay." But at one point, do they become the tool of a lazy writer?
1: So I'm going to go back to Star Wars okay. as as an answer to your question. When, Beep. go. So when Lucas was sitting down, and he was writing the script for Star Wars, and when he was writing the script for. Indiana Jones, The Raiders of the Lost Ark he went back and read John Carter from Mars and Jules Verne and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and he went and stole all those tropes all those ad- action scenes from those adventure stories and those pulp stories from the late 1800s and the early 1900s right so when we see when we see those for the first time as children we don't know that they're tropes that have been stolen from somewhere else, we don't know that they're cliches from somebody else's work mm-hmm. but when John Carter from Mars the movie comes out and we see it like, oh, oh we've seen all this before well yeah because everything in this movie has been stolen before so it looks like a cliche but this is the originator this is where it started and a lot of it just stems from people there's a concept in uh, critical analysis and, and when you're reading a piece of literature called post structuralism. Mm-hmm. and the idea of post structuralism is that you read the work or you enjoy the work in the context of now it or in the context of whenever it is that you're reading or enjoying it it regardless of when it was written you have to analyze it fresh today and that's what a lot of people do simply because they don't want to be bothered it's a really easy and lazy way to analyze work because then you don't have to know anything about the time that something was created you don't have to understand that, oh, yeah, well, it's okay for them to talk racist like that because everybody was racist in the 50s,
0: yeah. that's,
1: right? That's, that's so there's this desire to want to just review work that way, especially if you're a casual fan of something, to just use this post-structuralist method of breaking things down. And I I think that, I guess that's okay, but I, I think that when you say something like Nosferatu is full of cliches... You really don't know what you're talking about and you probably should just shut up.
0: Well, yeah, but he didn't really know what he was talking about. So anyway, let's let's go and talk about cliches in games. And let's let's make a quick list of the most overused cliches in fantasy and science fiction games out there. So, I is- wanna
1: add to the top of the list anything with cowboys. I realize that's not in either of those genres you just pulled up but cowboys on the back of something that isn't a horse is an annoying cliche to me
0: well but that can be added to pretty things i mean you know a firefly is cowboys in space and i think that yep, yeah it's that is true
1: yeah. and i can't stand oh. it I mean, you know i can't stand it. so i think the big conan character
0: yeah the beefy barbarian boring, boring cliche the what's be- that the beefy barbarian
1: the beefy yeah the beefy anybody the tank right the the character that's larger than life, Hulk. Yep. Hulk is one of my favorite characters in the comic book series for Marvel, but he's so boring in the movies because the people that write him don't know the character. They don't understand him. They don't know how to create conflict for him.
0: You know? Because I, they
1: just treat him like a big brute. Yes. And everybody that anybody ever fights in a movie is that big brute. And I think role playing games do the same thing. The boss at the end of the level is always somebody with just more hit points than you
0: yeah that's that's very true you know one trope that i wish went away and never ever came back and i think my introduction should give you a clue go ahead hobbits (laughs) yeah yeah i i I, uh, i just cannot stand hobbits or halflings anymore and I must admit that one of my favorite characters I've ever played's been Halfling. But I, I cannot stand it anymore. They are all the bloody same. Every single one of them. I'm bored yeah. with them. Really bored.
1: I yeah, I I'm I'm more than just bored. I find it annoying that one, they're always the same, but two, you have this character that you've created for a, a movie or a story that gets away with being super fucking annoying. And the only reason the Conan type hasn't killed it is because it has what's called plot armor and it needs to survive to the end. I mean, really, if I were Aragorn and Boromir, I would have just killed all four hobbits and taken the damn thing myself because being around them would have just driven
0: me nuts. And, and you know, at least Tolkien in Lord of the Rings because certainly not in The Hobbit, but at least Tolkien Lord of the Rings, all all the Hobbits become respectable characters. They all end up having an awful lot of agency. They start like the full little shitty things they are, and then they grow and they get an awful lot of agencies. But in games, that never, ever happens, ever. Mm -hmm. I cannot recall when was the last time that I saw a halfling or a gnome or a hobbit that have enough agency to compete with a knight or, um, I don't know, with a paladin or with a wizard. They just don't have it. Any of them.
1: I want to add to the fantasy list, uh, lightning bolt, fireball, and magic missile. I think that those are cliches that every wizard or sorcerer or warlock or whatever has, and it's just uncreative if that's the only weapon in your arsenal or if that's the first weapon you think of to have in your arsenal you're not you're not really thinking of a wizard you're you're thinking of a rocket launcher
0: yeah but you know i can to some degree i can understand why uh, because it, it is very very spectacular and they are very devastating uh so it's again it's, it's true sure. it's, it's, it's true um I've, I've seen them and um I reckon that the issue is that coming up with something that would be relatable enough would be very, very hard indeed. That That's why I think that's so, so popular. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, what game out there doesn't have a fireball? You know, it's... Like, I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I just,
1: I'm, I'm just sick of it, right? Yeah.
0: Um, The uh, thing
1: that made everybody happy about the fireball in first edition D&D was sitting there and counting the squares and how big the fireball would get and how many things you could kill with it.
0: And it's
1: grown out of that in role-playing games. It's just silly now.
0: Well, I'm I'm actually going to be very unpopular with what I'm about to say because I just realized one trope that we could do without is magic.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely sure. But then you're not playing fantasy anymore. You're just doing Middle Ages.
0: Well, uh, not the magic that we are used to. I am I'm I'm really bored with uh, uh magic and, and spell-based magic that you have to memorize. Sure. You know, I I just don't get it. And when I see, for example, the magic system that the Mistborn Adventure game has, you know, the Brandon Sanderson which is so different from any other magical system out there. I just think, you know, yeah, why, why can't we have that? Why does magic have to be based on medieval myth and lore? Because that's all it is, you know? We, we, they've taken a look at medieval spell books, you know, the the, the Solomon Clavicle or whatever, they, they've taken a look at and they say, well, right, witches used to be able to do this, so now they can also do fireballs, yay!
1: Well, Mike Merles and I had a conversation about this a long time ago, back in the early days of D20. And in order for magic to be magical, it must be a surprise. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because magic must exist within the rules of a role-playing game, because people wouldn't use it if they didn't know what was going to happen, there must be spell lists. And so the Vancean magic that we see, whether by accident or luck or whatever you want to call it, maybe it was proper planning, it has to be the magic that we see in the majority of these games, because otherwise people wouldn't play magic users.
0: But the thing is a thing it doesn't it is not magic anymore, it's science. I know,
1: I know I'm not disagreeing with you, but how, how else do you get 90% of the players to agree what if you're uncreative and you're playing the fighter at the table, and the creative guy at the table is doing, say mage style magic, which is not spellless, right? Pretty much just do whatever you want, pull it out of your ass, break a rule. And every time he's doing something creative, the GM's going, oh, okay, that sounds nice. And now they're outshining you on every level about everything all the time. That is going to wear on you as a player that you don't have the same level of import on the story as
0: well, you know, the actually, I, I, have a, um, I think I may have an answer to that, uh, if we may go on a tangent. I'm reading now a game called Mayhem that was sent to me uh, for review. And that game actually has a mechanic that works very well both for Magic and for uh, Psionics. Which is something, again, is something, it's another trope that people in RPGs don't do well at all. As much as psionics sound very, very cool, there aren't really many games out there that do psionics very well. Anyhow, what it does is that you have your uh, willpower. And your willpower allows you a minimum of um, um, exercise that you can do with your mind before you start getting hurt. You're basically using your mind power to, um, to, to power those spells and with those spells you can do well they, they list about 600 different abilities but it would be very easy to customize them and if you do something that is really insane for example you're just starting with magic and you want to move a whole mountain then the, the exertion on your brain would be so so hard that you would hurt yourself very very badly. So it would be a way to say, right, do you want to do anything you want to do? Go ahead. But everything's going to have a price. So if you want to do something really silly, like, I don't know, um, a magic missile, you you can do as many of those as you like, and that's okay. But if you want to do an A-bomb, then that's going to fry your brains. I I think that would be a way to actually change the trope of magic into something that it is containable, but still provides enough freedom and flexibility to the player to do whatever they want with it. Have I lost you?
1: No, no, I'm just thinking about what you've said. Um, I don't really have a follow-up. I think we're now getting into the realm of design and coming up with a new way of doing things.
0: Yeah. And I, I just wanted to illustrate that, uh, you know, when you start to think about things, it's not all that difficult or impossible to actually come up with something that's new, a new way to do the same thing. It's a right. way to break the trope. And that, that's why I, I wanted to bring that one up.
1: I think design in and of itself is always about solving problems. And I think the biggest problem that design cannot solve is that for 30 years, people have been treating D&D, and I'm going to use D&D because it's the biggest trope of all, people have been treating D&D as an us-versus-him or us-versus-her kind of game, all the players against the GM. Yeah. And the rules, every iteration of the rules become one more layer of defense against the bad GM. And I don't know of anybody that would want to do a game... A designer or a player would want to create a game or play a game where with that much that much unknowable, with that, that many unknowable parts. Because if I create a great character concept of a wizard, and then I try to do something, and the first time I try to do something, you say no. Uh, how encouraged am I going to be to be creative on the next thing
0: I try to do? I have no idea. I cannot answer the question.
1: No, no, no. I Nobody can answer that question, but... The designer, if the designer is making a game for a big publisher, the big publisher doesn't want to put out a game that nobody's going to play, and so you don't want to take those kind of risks in design, even though you should be taking those risks in design, and coming up with the unknowable uh, portions of the of the game itself.
0: Yes. Okay. Now let's go into science fiction tropes in games. Let's let's try to stay within games rather than going onto cinema. Now, what what okay. tropes in science fiction should Go away forever.
1: Oh, man. I could talk about science fiction. The things I hate about sci-fi games is endless, but I'm sick of equipment lists, right? Okay. I think I think equipment lists and science fiction games are what make science fiction games suck so bad because people let the equipment list replace their character. And instead of having a character that can do things, they go and buy equipment that does things. Okay. Do I need to explain that further or is that pretty clear? Well,
0: it it is pretty clear to me. I I can't really see how you would do it otherwise. I mean, at the end of the day, um, science fiction is based on technology. So if you don't have something that does something, how are you going to do it? Because let's face it, in science fiction games, the trope that I think should go away forever is that humans or in general living beings are useless animals dependent on technology.
1: Well, I, I can think of a hundred ways to get rid of equipment less. But moving past that, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah, humans and science fiction games are always this baseline that are always curious and have the willpower to to fight against impossible odds. But even when no other species in the universe would do that or be that stupid. But um, yeah, you're right. The fact that they're completely and utterly really dependent on technology makes them monkeys with match, matchbooks.
0: Well, it's just I cannot imagine, I cannot think of any um, science, science fiction film or game in which the characters would lose their technology and can survive. Everything becomes about actually recovering their technology, otherwise they will perish. Right? How, how, how sad, how pathetic is that? You know, I would like to think that people with that level of thinking and with that level of knowledge would be able to say, oh, okay, well, now, you know, we are not going to have spaceships anymore, but at least, we you know, we can make fire and shelter, we can get food and we can establish a system and we can start developing our own technology rather than, you know, having to rely on what we already have. But that never happens. Sad. It's really sad.
1: I think that that might be the most telling thing about it, though. The fact that you can't write science fiction without that is indicative of the limitations of science fiction or either maybe the limitations of humanity.
0: So I, 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 maybe it, it's
1: it's a trope that must exist.
0: Well, I would say no, because at least in games, uh, Sarah Newton proved that that is not necessary. Um, that so,
1: humans don't have to be dependent on technology?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah Newton um, proved that with Mindjammer, uh, because there are plenty of examples, you know, of of worlds that used to have the technology, then they lost it, and yet there they are thriving and created new and different technology than the technology they started up with.
1: Oh, sure, sure.
0: So, I, I can... Um, sorry.
1: Blue Planet does it. I have not read Mindjammer, so I can't speak to that, but... Blue Planet does that, but if you are the people living on the planet without technology, you're not really playing a science fiction game anymore. You're playing just natives on another planet. Does that make sense? It
0: does to some degree. I think still think that science fiction. If he has a science and a fiction sort of, you know, trope. That's not it. the
1: definition of science fiction though, right? Uh, 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 uh. Just because something has a laser gun in it doesn't make it a science fiction movie. Well, no, because... Just um, as much as, just because it's taking place on another planet doesn't make it science fiction. Well... There have to be uh, certain ingredients that take place and certain themes being approached in order to actually call it science fiction.
0: Well, I think if it's another planet, it's science fiction. For me, that's science fiction. That's it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. If if, yeah. if it
0: had lasers, then that's not science fiction, because then Star Wars would have to be science fiction, and it isn't. It's fantasy. What
1: stops Lord of the Rings from being science fiction?
0: Um, there are no spaceships. There's no base on any kind of science that may or may not happen, depending on how we evolve. And there is Gandalf.
1: But Gandalf is science, if in any other context, right? His no, magic is no. just – his magic staff is a catch-all science fiction device that no, solves other things. No. It's Doctor Who's screwdriver, no, right? No,
0: no, no. Doctor Who's screwdriver is a screwdriver, and, and it's different. No, 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 no. Come on.
1: Come on. From the casual observer, they're the same thing. And the only thing that makes it different is that people are wearing furs instead of vinyl pants. Those are the only things that separate – science fiction from fantasy
0: when did doctor wear vinyl pants what are you talking Not about doctor
1: who specifically right. i'm just making fun of all science fiction oh
0: well yes captain
1: yes. kirk what did he wear i he wore a, a pajama he wore pajamas i think he wore pajamas so if you're wearing your pajamas it's science fiction if you're wearing a fur cloak it's fantasy oh
0: another I, trope please another trope that should go away forevermore that i never ever 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 want to see again, ever Humanoid aliens, please, not enough. <laughs> N- enough bipeds. <laughs> I don't want to see another oh, man in a yeah. suit. Enough.
1: I <sighs> cannot, I, I can't stand Star Trek. I, I think I've mentioned this a bunch of times. I've seen one episode of the show, um, and it was the last one of Next Generation. But I would see previews on television from time to time when I was in college, and you'd have an alien that just had an M on one four on one eyebrow. And that's what made them an alien. I know. And I just thought, how how does this show continue to go? How can anybody not see past this nonsense?
0: Well, because... They're so, out of ideas. Well, that's because it was a show for kids in the 80s. And, you know, we were pretty stupid in the 80s. Let, let's admit it. So I can, I can almost get to forgive next generation. But then we have... Um, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. And admittedly, Enterprise did have a few non-bipedal alien species. A few. But everything else, oh, enough, enough, Captain Janeway. Don't don't meet anyone else with two legs, please, don't. It's, it's painful, painful to watch.
1: Uh, the trope I would like to see go away in science fiction is... Everybody on the planet is the same exact culture.
0: Oh yes, and the planet I, seems to have very, very reduced population. You know, all, whole planets, yeah. and they only have maybe four million people. What the hell? Right, right. Oh, okay. Um, generic tropes that we must get Actually, another trope that we must get rid of. And In
1: gaming, or we're talking about gaming still, right?
0: Games. Yeah, we're talking about yeah. games. I'm, I,
1: I'm sick of the wizard at the at the tavern. With a map. Yes. I'm, I am sick of the players not knowing each other before the game starts. Uh, the characters rather not the players. I'm, I'm sick of, they're only in it for the gold. Uh, I'm, I'm sick of adventuring for adventuring's sake. It's just, it's old and tired. There needs to be more meat now. Yes. We've been playing long enough that there needs to be meat on the bone of fantasy adventuring and I'm okay going on an adventure and killing stuff. But if I'm merely killing it because it's different than me, or because it has the 25 gold pieces I want, then I'm... That just makes me an asshole.
0: Yeah. You know, another another trope on that area that we should get rid of as well? Evil orcs. Yes. You know, there is never an explanation, uh, apart from Lord of the Rings, there is never an explanation why orcs are evil. Ever. They, they just happen to be evil or goblins. because well,
1: they look different and they worship a different god. Yeah. Oh, is that a little too too much social commentary there? No,
0: but it, but it is. I mean, they yeah, are... Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You I know, mean,
1: it's it's borderline racist,
0: right? Well, it it's, is. It's they they It's they a
1: have, horrible trope.
0: Yeah. They have no cultural or no racial agency whatsoever. None at all. None. None at all. It's pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And please... Please, let's get rid of the tavern or the ear ir- of the ing becoming a recruitment center. <laughs> oh, I, I'm in town, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna try and get some work. Let's head to the ing, I'm sure there will be somebody looking for adventurers in there. Right, Jesus, seriously, come on! Bad, very bad. Yeah, now. Another trope that I think we have to get rid of, and people, please do not throw rotten tomatoes at me yet. Cthulhu.
1: <laughs> um, I would like to see stupid Cthulhu go away. I would like to see the cutesy Cthulhu go away. The you know we've Cthulhu now a punchline, right? Yes. He's not terrifying anymore.
0: Exactly.
1: And uh, so, because he's become ubiquitous, he, he's not even a trope, really. He's just ubiquitous. Since it's everywhere, it's now become kitschy and cute. And that's the worst thing that can happen to anything. Right? Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used to be really gritty when it first came out. I don't know if you read the original graphic novels. It no. was gritty. No. And then it turned into a really stupid cartoon, and then a really stupid another cartoon, and then a really stupid movie. And then it came back in more stupid forms, and then action figures. So Cthulhu's just going through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. That's really what's happened to him.
0: Now, however, I I should specify as well, um, not getting rid of Cthulhu because the concept is really great, but the use that people make of Cthulhu is great. And what we should also get away from, and this is for all game designers out there, I hope you're all listening, stop making Call of Cthulhu clones. Thank you. I am bored, bored to death we seeing Cthulhu or mythos-based games in which the players are going to be the investigators and they're always going to fight against the darkness that comes and befalls on the planet if at all we get a glimpse of those primogenial kind of creatures.
1: If you find yourself typing the phrase unspeakable horror, you have done something wrong.
0: Yes. Yeah. I have
1: and I'm tired of liches, by the way, too, so long as we're going down that road. To find what? out the bad guy at the end of the story is a lich. Oh, God. Is exhausting.
0: Or a mind flare.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, another. It's, I, I think we should talk about what kind of um, social tropes should disappear or, or be. Twins. St- well, twins. Twins.
1: Well, twins need to go.
0: Yeah. Especially. Star
1: crossed the... lovers need to go. Yeah. Anybody that can fight with two weapons needs to go.
0: Well um, don't push it.
1: <laughs> I hate ambidexterity in role playing games. I, I fucking hate it. If it exists, somebody at the table takes it.
0: I am ambidextrous, okay? As 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 the ambidextrous collective, I feel deeply offensed by that.
1: You should. You really should, because I'm attacking your your the genetic co- difficulty. How how yes. rough life must life must be for you?
0: Well, you're just envious of my superpower
1: Yeah, that's what it is.
0: Shame on you. Anyway, no, but you know, uh, in seriousness, uh, some tropes that we should get rid of soon, as soon as possible, is, for example, rape. Because rape is used so, so many times for exactly the same thing, and it's just because people don't want to understand or make up, any reason for the consequences of rape other than being by rape. Enough, please. Don't don't use rape. Don't. Just, just think something else.
1: I think we brought that up about the last 10 podcasts.
0: Well, good. Now it's 11th. Uh, something else to get rid of. The kind of um, effeminate, loud, stupidly... Obnoxious gay character. Seriously, if the only—is there any other
1: kind of gay character?
0: Yes, me. Um, seriously, if people—the See, only see—I was thing, making fun
1: of you there. That's what I did.
0: Shut up. Um, if people, all they can do when they think about writing a gay character is, "Oh yes, I'm so gay. Look at me, I'm so gay. Woohoo!" Seriously, well, I'm—I'm
1: I'm sick of all of those attributes applying also to bards. I hate bards to begin with. But that's all bards as well, right? Yes. I mean, they yeah. just ugh. the way people play them anyway. They don't necessarily exist that way within the context of a game. But that's the way people feel encouraged to play them, and it's just annoying. And yeah. I hate gnomes. I would like to see gnomes go away forever. You know, I have for to say one thing. Many of the thing, same reasons. You know, I was What's surprised.
0: I was, I was surprised about one thing uh, recently, very recently. I watched for my sins. The series, um, The Chronicles of Shannara. Oh,
1: yeah, I have not watched it.
0: Don't. Okay, Okay. it's it's, it's just... uh, It it is for teenagers, I'm sorry, but it is for teenagers. It has the depth of a paddling pool. It's it's dreadful. But one thing they did very well is that they created gnomes, and I thought they were just going to be little gnomes. But no, gnomes actually are these horrific-looking, vicious creatures. Hmm. And I like that. I thought, oh, okay. So you're a gnome. You're not, you're not what I was expecting. So why
1: are they called gnomes? Though?
0: I have no idea. The series yeah. is appallingly bad. It's so there's so another bad.
1: trope that can probably go away.
0: Uh, well, bad series? using
1: No, using uh. the name of something and then making it nothing like the thing that you're calling it. So an elf that's a cannibal that's, you know, made a shadow and...
0: Well, if you're going to give it a donkeys, reason...
1: that's really not an elf. You've already described something completely different from an elf. Why well, are you naming it an
0: elf? Well, but if you can give a reason why elves are that way, I don't care. You know, they might have evolved for whatever reason. I don't care about that. But um, if you're going to create something so cool, you know, it, I mean, let's face it, they those gnomes they look more like trolls than anything else something like that maybe I don't know but they right. don't look like the gnomes they used to but there is no explanation whatsoever as to what the bloody hell they're doing there also the series mentioned dwarves and at no point is a single dwarf in the whole series it's just so bad so so bad um, I there's don't...
1: another trope that can go away Which gruff one? dwarves that drink all the time or that yes. collect gems in their beards yep that yep. belong to clans and hate their other clan members.
0: Yep. 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 And have a Scottish accents.
1: And they all have Scottish uh, accents. And they use hammers. Oh, uh, yeah. God, how boring that I Yes. Yeah. Speaking of dwarves, yes. I, Travis Chance is a game designer in the industry. So if he's listening, and I'm telling him to listen, he loves telling this story about how many people come up to him with game ideas and they think doing a game about dwarves is original. And so I, I want to go on record as saying that they are probably the most abused and reused race in all of fantasy gaming. And people need to stop thinking that a game about dwarves is going to be original.
0: Yeah, no, dwarves are not original ever. No, yeah. no matter what you do with them, dwarves are no longer original.
1: I, I'm tired of this in games. I am tired of all the races being equal. I am tired of the idea that a first level elf and a first level dwarf are the same exact thing. I am tired of the idea that there are just enough of everything to keep everything in balance. That is a stupid, stupid trope. Yeah. And I would rather see a fantasy world where elves are on the verge of extinction.
0: aren't they should they should be. All of them.
1: They should be, but they're never that, right? I want to see a game world where dwarves are evil and they're running the show and humans are afraid of them. I want to see a fantasy world where halflings are second-class citizens and they're forced to work for a pittance because they're not. nobody treats them well. I want to see those kind of environments instead instead of the ones where, okay, an elf, a dwarf, and a human meet in a bar to get a job and yeah. everybody's okay with it.
0: Yeah, they kind of look jokey, don't they?
1: And, so, and I realize that what I just described could be de- – depicted as a little racist but i think that that's okay in the context of a fantasy game where you want to explore the social norms of how these cultures are different and how these races are different well, because the problem is is that people play the elf and the dwarf and the halfling and the human all the same and they're just getting them for their racial benefits they're just playing them for the bonuses they're going to get on their character sheet
0: well you know i'm going to be mm. okay this is going to sound very controversial really controversial and I am going to need to explain what I mean, okay? <laughs> it's
1: okay. a long prologue. Okay. Go on.
0: Well, well, this is important. Um, I think we should get away from the racial equality trope and we should see some racism in games. Because, and this is where I go, okay. I think to see a... Um, a race of characters or non-characters or whatever they are, of creatures that are based on real human beings and treat them uh, racially disadvantaged is a very, very racist trope that we should get away from. Right. Okay, I think that that using fantasy as a reflection of our own world is all very good and proper. But if you're creating a game where everybody is meant to be, you know, on on a sort of um, compatible foot, to use, I don't know, um, orcs as a reflection of people from Africa, it's, it's just bad. That, that is absolutely shit. However, if, for example, in Lord of the Rings, there is every single reason why humans should be uh, racist against elves and elves against humans. Simple as that. Why? Because basically, I mean, elves in Lord of the Rings, they're close to being goths. Right. There aren't anywhere near as many as as there are human, but they're way, way more powerful. So I can understand some sort of resentment growing there, and I can understand the elves being the assholes they are looking down on humans. So I could be able to understand some sort of racial tension between them. Right. You know, so that is the kind of uh, racial tension that I would like to see in fantasy games. Not because elves are a reflection of the I don't know a billionaire elite of some countries, and humans are just the working class. No, I don't, I don't, I don't mean it for that. Simply because it fits in the world. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I I think that's very similar to what I just said. In fact,
0: yeah, but I, where uh, I
1: want to see disharmony between the races, I want to see. Halflings, for instance, being treated as second-class citizens. I don't need that specific world, but that was just what I was spouting. Is this idea that, you know, it can't just be humans, elves, dwarves, halflings against the orcs and ogres, mm. right? the The way that D anD D was built is you've got these four or five races, and again, gnomes don't exist, so throw them out. Um, you've got these races that are all on the same side against all of the monsters of the world. Why is it that orcs and ogres are always on the same side with one another? Why couldn't they also be enemies in mm-hmm. a game environment? Yep. Where you're going into a dungeon and you see a, a fight breaking out between two different
0: races. Yeah. Yeah. All of that, I, I definitely, I would definitely go with it.
1: I now, think the, the level of complexity I'm asking for is probably too much for some game masters and players, but. I like that kind of asymmetrical dynamic that begins at, that a world or a game might begin with, rather than everybody's on the same playing field and everybody has the same agenda. Um, I would rather we're seeing cultures at different parts of their their, uh, their, their cultural growth, right? Not everybody should be at their Roman Empire ap- apogee when it comes to their culture. Humans should maybe be on the decline while dwarves are on the other way up on the way up, or vice versa right why why can't why can't one culture have more access to more magic or more technology than another one
0: hmm. so there you go people get rid of the trope that is equality <laughs> anyway uh, we've been going at it for nearly an hour now and there's I think, so
1: much here to talk about this is a deep well
0: yes it it is but i think the the main point that we should be getting out of this episode is that it's about time that people start creating new things rather than rehashing what's been happening. Although uh, right. RPG is a, a fairly new hobby, you know, which is just 40-odd years old, very, very young. But enough, we, we've done enough to, uh, to deserve more and um, better than the things that we've been doing so far. You know, enough of the same kind of medieval fantasy worlds enough of the same mythos kind of games enough of the same tropes you know, let's start thinking about them because pretty much every single thing that we can see right now, it's becoming a repetitive horrific trope that we've had enough of, at least I have